Hey, how's it going, guys? My name is Muladi Shazar, and you're listening to Becoming Us. So welcome back to another episode of Becoming Us. So this episode is titled Our Childhood Memories and actually there is a reason for that. So the theme for this season is growing up. And since this podcast is a collection of stories of how we become who we are, I feel that one of the major contributions in which the process of becoming who we are is when we were growing up. So I would like to cover a lot of related topics to growing up. Topics such as parents, family, love, self-worth, self-identity, and many more. So I really hope that you will look forward to all the upcoming episodes of Becoming Us. But today, I want to start from the very beginning of our life. So some people may actually even regard this as one of the most important aspects of their life, which is our childhood. So reflecting on my childhood, I had a pretty good one in the beginning, but... It didn't last very long, and you guys know why. Well, if you haven't already know, go and check out my first episode. So as I mentioned before, I always thought that no one had similar experience like me, and I thought that I'm the only one with not so good childhood. So my initial thought of how the recording for this episode going to turn out will be a showcase of different type of everyone's happy childhood memories. But oh, how I was so wrong. I approached some people and asked them if they were willing to share their childhood memories but actually quite a number of them refused because they were so sad to think about their childhood memories and as it was not a very good one. To be fair, the people who I actually approached, they have always had the impression that they had a good childhood as to me, they look really steady as a person. So I actually quite surprised by the answers. I realized that even those who are cheerful and look like they are doing really great in life, might actually had gone through a lot in the past. So let's talk a little bit about our childhood. Well, I'll go first. So in the previous episode, I actually have shared a little bit about my childhood and the condition in which I grew up. But there was one story that I have not shared with you guys. I previously mentioned how I actually went to China to escape from the riot. It happened in Indonesia back in 1998. In the process of that, I actually went to the local Chinese kindergarten in Shanghai. So I promise to tell you guys about this experience in the future episode. So here is the episode and here's the story. So I actually find it quite interesting but actually it was quite a short story. So what happened is that we were escaping from the riot, right? So we went to Shanghai, we were visiting our families and my parents realized that Oh, um, just because we escaped from the riot, uh, my education shouldn't stop. So they actually decided to enroll me into a local Chinese school kindergarten. And also, like, they wanted to experiment whether I will, I will be able to adjust myself over there or which I actually like, like it to study in China. They were really, really big on me learning Chinese at that time as well. So, but at that point of time, I couldn't speak Chinese at all. So... A lot of time I had to communicate with body language with my classmates as well as my teachers and it was really really in a pain. I found that this memory is quite funny because at that point of time 
I realized that the things that they do was very different from what I used to in Indonesia. I was actually quite panicking at that point of time because back in Indonesia, I guess like we have this standard classroom kind of style. Um, we will sit down and face the teacher. Everybody will face the teacher and the teacher will be teaching something at the front. And then after that, we'll actually have recess. We will eat stuff. And then before we go back, I will actually, while waiting for my dad to pick me up, I will go out of the school and get to buy some snacks from the street vendors. But it wasn't like that in China. It was quite different. A lot of things that we do is in the classroom. And in the classroom, not in the school, but in the classroom. So we didn't get to go out from the school to actually buy some street vendors food. And the way the arrangement of the, of the tables and the chairs was that there was no proper tables or chairs. There was like short tables and chairs for us to sit down and a lot of these tables actually arrange around the teacher so the teacher will be in the middle and will be like in a circle and one of the most shocking thing that i experienced at that point of time is that after lunch the kids will actually pull out all their roll-up beds and go to sleep um so what happened is that actually that classroom all along there was a connecting classroom and i was like what I didn't know that it was like magic for me at that point of time. So out of nowhere, the teachers turned off all the lights and I was like, what's going on? Are we going to watch a movie? But no, they actually opened up another door and revealed that there was hidden bits everywhere. And so the kids actually were told to take their own bits out. So surprisingly, the kids at age 4 or 5, they were actually quite independent. They pull out their own roll-up bits and they place it in the position that they have been assigned to. I'm not too sure what was happening at that time. I was just really, really panicking and so shocked that I don't have a bed and I'll be left all alone. And I wanted to go home because back in Indonesia, we don't sleep after lunch. We just go home. And so I constantly trying to open the door uh, but then the teacher was so scared they're gonna run out to the street and get killed by a car So they actually had to call my dad and actually ask my dad to wait for me at the front of the classroom So every few minutes I will actually open up the door to check whether my dad is there or if he actually abandoned me And the teacher will actually constantly reassure me that it'll be okay, you'll be fine, the kind of thing But even though I don't really understand, uh, her feelings get through me uh, so, And if I were to say that it was quite a, f a funny experience because I remembered how mischievous I was back then because I wanted to go home so badly and they don't allow me to get out from the door. So I would actually run around the classroom crying and, and shouting to make sure that the other kids couldn't sleep. And the teacher would actually chase me like crazy and in the end they give up and they just call my dad to, you know, to sit in front of the classroom and wait for me and yeah it was really really funny at that point of time and i just can't believe how mischievous i was back then but that's that that's the story of um how i actually had my very first culture shock ever in my whole life so in the previous episode i actually asked you guys what was your childhood like did you have a happy childhood or did you have a childhood that teaches you so many things about life so I gathered some of my friends and we actually discussed a little bit about our childhood story. So what was your childhood like? 
a little bit background of myself. I'm actually the youngest kid in the family, and thank God I have a complete set of parents, mom and dad, and I have one brother. Since I am the youngest kid, so uh, most of the time I'm more pampered, <laughs> I would say. But my childhood was fun, and I have quite memorable moments. Basically, I was born as a cheerful, active kid, always running around in school, and then um. My memorable moments would be like after I finish my school, normally my grandpa or my mom will pick me up, and then they will、uh, send me to my grandma's house. I will take an afternoon nap there and sleep in the hug of my grandma's hugs. <laughs> so normally, after I reach my grandma's house, I will. Take a shower first, and then I would enter my grandma's room, which is very cold. Normally, I will feel super cold, but my grandma、uh, was kind of chubby, so she would hug me to give me the warmth. I really enjoyed that moment when I slept with her, and I miss her so much.、Uh, and normally, after I take my afternoon nap, I will make my favorite snack, tea time snack. So I will make my own bread and spread it with condensed milk, and then eat it. Then after that, in the afternoon, my mom will pick me up again to bring me home, or my uncle will send me home. And normally, when、uh, he took me home, he will write that old Vespa. So I would love it like when I stand in front of the Vespa. <laughs> yeah, I think that's one of the fondest memory in my childhood. I. Also remembered that my mom always taught me about mathematics, so she would give me like simple questions, and then after I finished that ten questions, she would like score it, and if I got an A, she will give me like a salamun stickers because last time I loved salamun so much. Yeah, so I will feel motivated to do it well and、uh, get it all questions correct. So yeah. I'm enjoying my childhood. So I had a great childhood, you can say, in a sense that we never lack anything physically. Like my parents always provide for us. Like、uh, we never had a moment where we are struggling for food, where my siblings、um, or I have to work on the streets to、um, get us some food or something like that. It is also great because my parents always provide us with. The emotional support, like whatever needs that we have, whether that be physically, mentally, they are always there for us. They never use any harsh words. They never use any physical punishment. In that sense, it's great. But my family, being a group of athletes, you can say, we have this air of competitiveness around us. Like my father is a basketball athlete back in his college days, and that passion of sport,、um, he passed it down to my siblings and I. So basically, my siblings, like my sister. Is a basketball athlete. My younger brother is also a basketball athlete. I myself am a swimming athlete. So, being a family of athletes, my daily schedule is pretty busy. Like,、um, for example,、uh, we would wake up at five or five thirty in the morning to start training. So, I'll go to the swimming pool, and then、um, we'll finish training by around seven or seven thirty, and then go to school.、Um, school will finish at around two p.m. or something, and then I'll have my lunch. Most of the time, I'll go for a tuition because in Indonesia the education system I feel doesn't provide us with enough time、um, or the manpower to prepare us for the exam. 
So, I mean, like, if you would like to have a better grades, if you'd like to achieve one of the ranks in the class, then it's a must that you take one of the um, tuition available. So, if I don't have any tuition on the day, um, I'll take a short nap and then go to the swimming pool again at 4 or 4.30, depending on what time the tuition finish. We'll practice until 7 or 7.30. And then afterwards, like, I'll have my dinner and then I'll prepare myself for school next day. If I have any assignments, exams, um, I'll prepare myself until... 11 or 12 and then I go to bed and then prepare myself to wake up again um, in the following morning 5 5.30 a.m. So basically I don't have any social life like because my days are full of training and schools or tuition so I mean like I literally have no no social life I don't well I never hangs out with my friends like if they're going for a, a birthday party I rarely got invited in and then like if they are hanging out at the mall or something I never come with them yeah, like it's basically just me, swimming pool, school, and my family. I had a very strict kind of upbringing, as a lot of, I guess, traditional Asian families would have. So my family is Taiwanese. They're also really religious, so they follow the kind of Taiwanese Theravada Buddhism as well and the kind of like um, cultural and religious aspects came through they were tied together and so they were very strong features <laughs> of my childhood and so there was a lot of focus on academic discipline also trying to be calm and Buddha-like which is actually very I don't know ironic because our family would also have a lot of fights over um maybe maybe sometimes initiated by me because i was a bit of a rebel compared to my brothers but i think because my mum also had a view trying to get the best outcome for her kids in terms of career and academia there was a lot of we were semi forced to do things like you know flute or violin practice for a day or like um, or have, having the tutorial for a day and then practicing throughout the week um, and then English tutoring and then maths tutoring and science tutoring and then also doing um, sports. So I did ballet and because of that, I guess we were also encouraged to really apply ourselves to becoming smart <laughs> what you would consider smart as an Asian parent um, so reading a lot I was encouraged to read yeah yeah I don't know watch watch um, kind of educational TV shows and Buddhist lectures <laughs> um, so yeah it was it was pretty it, it was pretty varied in that respect um, but socializing with um, other kids was not a big focus so I was born in New Zealand um, when I moved over to Australia I was told that it was going to be a holiday like you um, and um, I didn't get a chance to say goodbye to my friends or anything as a nine-year-old um, so it was pretty sad um, but yeah occasionally I think as the youngest child in my family as well, so I have two older brothers, um, I was encouraged to, uh, well, I was discouraged from socializing too much. Um, staying at home um, was kind of 
you know, a sign of being a good filial daughter. Even if I wasn't necessarily doing homework, that um, I, I was still forced to do um, a lot of extracurricular homework a lot of the time. So yeah. So did you like your childhood? Why yes and why not? I think there were aspects that I did really like about my childhood, like having that kind of discipline really built into, you know, my life, trying to have a routine where I really had to buckle down and work through my Kumon worksheets. I don't know if you've heard of Kumon before. Um, it's this, a lot of Asian kids do it. It's this kind of coaching college where they give you a um, sheet of workbook to do every single day. I got really good at rote learning um, because of Kumon. I was quite good at maths because of it and I was like accelerated maybe like um, two and a half years ahead of my grade level um, because I just I did Kumon. <laughs> um, the English program isn't quite as good but anyway. And I really see that kind of benefit coming through, I think, in the rest of my life now. So, for example, with fitness, I think um, because I had that kind of discipline um, in me when I was growing up, I actually was able to kind of stick to a routine. And that's important in terms of fitness to have consistency. But I think particular downside of that was really not having much autonomy and not really having a choice to pursue things that I really liked. So I was a particularly um, outgoing and gregarious child. I remember I would go around to restaurants and say hello to strangers and shake their hands and everything. And because I knew I was like a pretty cute child, I knew how to work that with other people and you kind of use it to my advantage. Um, children are really smart, by the way. I think any time when I tried to really express myself emotionally in a really kind of explicit way and kind of like, you know, socializing with other, with your peers is a really strong way to kind of develop that. And because socialization wasn't really something that was encouraged, um, by my parents, I guess that was sad that I didn't get to quite develop that. I like my childhood in a sense that I have a great family, a very supportive environment. So no matter how tough things get, like I know that my family is always going to be there for me, both my parents, both my siblings. We are always very supportive of each other, no matter what um, what obstacle may come. But also, in, in another sense, I wouldn't want to go back to it because, um, I mean, like, even though it's happy, even though it's great, it's far from being easy. It's actually very tough on me. In all honesty, I never liked swimming in the first place. Like, uh, my siblings, I got a brother and a sister. My sister is very gifted in terms of physical strength. For example, when she was still in primary school, she already beat those in, um, in the junior high school. While my, um, my youngest brother is very calm. I mean, like, He's able to analyze game situations in basketball really well. Like, like that makes him a very good player. On top of it, he's also very agile. He's also very, uh, very fast. So they have this specific gift to themselves, which I don't have. Like I'm, because at the end of the day, 
I'm more like my mom, like we are not really this kind of athletic kid. I have passion for movies, for arts like paintings, poems, because my siblings are both athletes and, and they're pretty popular in school. And my father is also an athlete, like they always talk about sports at dinner table. And that makes me want to be like them as well. So I keep forcing myself to do things that I essentially hate. So basically, like I have to force myself every day to wake up in the morning. And then I have to force myself for the second time in the afternoon to go for um, a swimming practice session that I really hate. And I mean, like doing that over the years, like I've been doing that since I was in primary school up until my last semester in my high school. So doing that over the years, over and over again, that filled me up with stress, like that fills me up with anger as well. I mean, like every practice is emotionally and mentally draining. Like it's very tough, especially if you are going provincial or national level. I'm not saying that basketball training is easy, but at least you can communicate socially with your friends. But in the swimming pool, like everyone is an, is an opponent, you can say, like everyone's a rival. And you can't talk underwater. Like, so it's very isolated. It's also very physically painful because um, in swimming, you have to hold your breath in order to get a better time. If you are into swimming, you'll know that every second is precious. I mean, like seconds a lot, like milliseconds, we're counting milliseconds here. So every time that you spend to draw breath, it's a time wasted. And I'm a sprinter myself, so every day I'm doing the same thing over and over again. It's kind of boring. I don't get to talk to my friends. And I mean, like, I have to hold my breath for 50 meters going back and forth because every time I take breath, it's a time wasted. And I have to improve my time by the milliseconds. So it's, it's very physically and mentally draining. And because I hate it, it fills me up with anger because, okay, let's, let's imagine this way. I'm at school. And then I have to imagine that, okay, I will have to be at a swimming pool at four today. I hate to imagine that, like, even when I'm still at school, like, I'm already imagining that, oh man, I have to be at a swimming pool by four, while my friends are saying, let's go to this place, let's go to that place, or we're having a party or something. But instead of that, I will have to go back to the swimming pool and to endure that torture of a training that, that exhausts me mentally before I'm exhausted physically. Because I'm constantly filled with anger, like, um, I'm always stressed out of what is to come later in the afternoon. Um, it affects my social life in a significant way because um, I make myself a very unfriendly person, you can say. Like, it's hard for people to reach out to me. It's hard for people to talk to me because I'm always trying to prove myself as the best, both in swimming pool or at school. So I'm really competitive. I have a lot of issues um, at school because of this, because I'm always angry. I, I break a lot of things, but I mean, like, at the same time, Anger is the only thing that fills me up, that keeps me from sulking down, from giving up. It is, you can say, my fuel. But of course, like it has its its drawbacks. Like some parents of another student actually express concern that I will potentially harm their kids. And teachers already brought this up to my mom. They say that he might need some psychological therapies or something just to calm down his anger because uh, he's a danger to the other kids. So yeah, you can you can imagine that I don't have a lot of friends and a lot of people actually don't like me that much. So in that way, I don't really want to go back to that past version of myself. I think I would say my childhood was kind of fun. So um, honestly, back then, uh, when I was entering my uh, elementary school, I had a very low self-esteem back then due, due to many factors. And one of them was like, um, because 
I realized that all my friends were staying in a proper house, but I'm staying in a shop houses. So whenever my friend was like asking me, where do you live? And oh, where do you stay? I was like, um, I would just like try to hide it because I'm not quite satisfied with the condition of my house. So I think that's one of the reasons why I had the low self-esteem. Other than that, I also like because I entered my school quite late. So I'm like older than them by one year old. So it makes me like um quite different from my friends because they were all like 93 born babies, whereas I was a 92 baby. So uh, that difference kind of make me like feel the odd one out. That creates the low self-esteem as well. Because of that low self-esteem, so my strategy was that I. Tried to become a、uh, boyish, so when I become boyish, people will think that I'm a strong woman, and they won't really think that、I、actually had a low self-esteem. And when I try to become boyish, my girlfriends, whenever they have、uh, problems or people mess around with them, they will come to me and find、uh, protection for me lah. So they will ask me to like. They will report to me and actually ask me to face the people who mess with them, and I find it quite fulfilling when people trust me and find me as a strong woman in my elementary school. So yeah, that's how it was built up. I played soccer with boys. Most of my friends was, I think, most of my friends were boys as well, and I played、uh, basketball. So I really tried to become boyish as I can. I even cut my hair short when I was in, I think,、uh, senior high school, because I still finding that becoming boyish is my ways of hiding it. Yeah, and I really enjoyed like when I become another self. So that was my childhood. Now that I look back, actually, it was kind of fun looking back when I was boyish, because now that I have. Make peace with myself, and I start to love myself more. I become a proper lady. <laughs> Is there any aspects of your childhood which you like to carry forward, or would you like your kids to experience next time as well, if you have any? I think there. Is value in having、um, a kind of like application, like allowing a kid to kind of explore different kinds of environments. Let them kind of be in different social roles, not just、um, the good child in relation to the parent,、um, but just also what kind of social role they play in relation to their peers、um, or just. Anyone outside of their family, also maybe like、um, outside of a good student too,、um, since that was a focus of my family. I think having the opportunity to tag around with my dad, who、um, was a diplomat,、um, so he worked in the Middle East and like well a lot of different countries actually,、um, and going around and seeing how other people. In those cultures, live their lives、um, was really, really kind of valuable. I still think about it to this day: how different people from different cultures can live. And so, having that ability to explore, I think, is like what I would definitely want
um, for my kids, if I have any. And aspects of my childhood I wouldn't necessarily want my kids to experience is probably over-discipline. Just being forced to do something that you really you really don't want to do. For example, um, having to go to Chinese school every Sunday. And, and not to say that there weren't some benefits from it. I think my Chinese is better for it. Letting a child have some sense of autonomy or choice would be ideal. The thing that I would like to bring from my past childhood to my future kids later is definitely the supportive environment that my parents build up for us. The fact that they're always encouraging us to pursue our dreams, to pursue our goals, and to never give up on our dreams. It's something that I would definitely bring um, for my future family later on. I've made it clear how I hate swimming, but it doesn't mean that I hate all sports. Like um, there, there are a few aspects of sport that I like. Uh, for example, like the fact that we have to um, train ourselves to be physically and mentally ready to face the, the upcoming competition and then to teach us that in life, whatever our dream is, we have to work hard for it. Like, um, I guess it's one of the things that sport teaches us really well and I would like to implement it later on my future kids as well. I think that loving family is very important. I find it that I have this relationship with my mom, friendly type, where I can share my problems and tell her stories and she would listen and give me advices. And I think that it's really crucial, especially when you start to grow up. When you have someone who listens to your stories, you know that you actually are not alone. You have people who stand beside you, who knows you, who really are and believe in you. And I think that's very crucial because when there is no one to talk to, if you can't even trust your parents or your friends or your family and you don't talk to anyone, people won't know your problems and you will just hold it inside you and it will just become a snowball effect. If you just let it like let the problems grow inside you, it will lead to suicide. So I find it like I'm very thankful that I have my mom who plays a significant role in my life. Um, she listens to my stories and I'm grateful that I can open up to her because if I don't open up to her, maybe by now I might not be here anymore. So I find it like having loving family and having that someone who listens to your story is really important. And I do want to carry over these aspects to my children as well. I want them to be open up to me. I want them to take me as their friends. And they will um, tell me stories without me asking them. And I, I don't want them like, to just um, be scared of me and follow my rules without them exploring themselves. Because I want them to like to be creative as they want to be. Uh, I want them to grow like without me judging them. Like I will support my children. Yeah, I think that's what my mom also gave me. Like I know that she will always support me whenever I make decisions. So yeah, that's pretty much what I want to carry forward. 
to my children as well. I want them to feel loved because I feel that when they start to grow up, like at the age of like five till fifteen, I think that's the crucial age where they are really shaping their characteristics and stuff, which uh, will in turn decide like who they will become in the future. So I think that's crucial age. I feel that parents should really play significant role in that and showing them love, support, whatever they need. Surely, parents should be there for them. Many of us go through life thinking that we are the only one that feels this way. I hope that certain aspects of our life stories speaks to yours, and I hope that some of you will gain a little comfort from our story, knowing that you didn't go through life alone. I think the biggest takeaway from this episode is that many of us have both good and terrible childhood, but all of them teaches us to be a better person today. I think one of the biggest factors that help us growing up is our parents. Whether it was through good or bad parenting, we all learn from it. So before I end, I would like to ask you, what was your family like? What was your mom and dad like? Before I end, I hope you enjoyed this episode. And I would like to thank all the contributors that have shared their stories and supported this podcast. So thank you once again for listening and I hope you are excited for our next episode. If you haven't already, please follow or subscribe to this podcast and check out our Instagram for more info on Becoming Us. That's at Becoming Us without a G. If you have any feedbacks or suggestions, if you like the episode, please tell us in the comment section or DM our Instagram. Thank you for all the support and as always, 